This is Abrupt Future, the podcast on the future of work that happened faster than we thought. Each week, we feature conversations with experts in leadership, management, human resources, culture, and technology to help you succeed in this new normal. This is your host, Benoit Ardivalle. Hi, everyone, and welcome to this episode of Abrupt Future. Today, we speak with Mariano Suarez Batan, the co-founder and CEO at Mural. He is on a mission to inspire, enhance, and connect imagination workers so that they can collaborate and problem-solve wherever they may be. Mariano, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you, Benoit, for the invitation. Mariano, I'd be curious to start with the concept of imagination worker. And my curiosity came to the fact that in most of the conversation about distributed teams and remote work, and virtual organizations, the focus is often often on efficient communication, on collaboration, which of course is essential. It seems like you're bringing a different focus on the need of imagination worker. Could you tell us a little bit more about this concept? So imagination worker is a reaction uh, to knowledge worker, right? So in the context of the world, some of us have the luxury to be able to work with information, with knowledge, and so on. Um, And some of that work relates to producing content. Some of that work relates to strategizing, making decisions. Some of that work relates to uh, analyzing data and coming to conclusions and things like that. And we believe that a lot of that knowledge work will be eaten by AI, right? So computers are going to be better at processing information and, and, and doing things more efficiently and more I mean, at system scale. But what make, one of the things that makes us human is uh, the possibility for us to imagine, right? Imagine the possibilities, imagine how to change something. And that's something that we care about. And, and thinking and, and, and visual thinking and visual sharing is important too, because it's not about individuals anymore, right? It's about team. So imagining together, right? It's very important because it helps us creatively problem solve together. So that's why we we like to focus on uh, that type of work, visual work that is very common in methodologies such as design thinking and agile and and, and lean because uh, as humans, right, we we rely on our our imagination to to work. And uh, from imagination, we help in case of mural, transform what's inside your head into something that's visual so you can take action, right? I mean, if it's inside your head, it doesn't help. If you put it out there, you can shape your idea, but also you can share your idea so that two or more people with different backgrounds can make it better or uh, understand a problem even better. And it sounds that with Mural, you brought this ability to do imagination work in a in a remote fashion. Can you tell us a little bit how that happened? Yeah, that's definitely correct. correct. And, and something that, that happened even before the digital component is that we realized that imagination work can be messy. And the nice thing about these methodologies that I mentioned before is that they're, uh, they help us guide teamwork, right? So instead of like just randomly, I mean, <laughs> describing what's inside your head, in a way, the, the, the methodologies, and in the case of, uh, I mean, some companies coined them, like in the case of IBM, IBM Enterprise Design Thinking, right? It was really good because it helped people coordinate, right, and guide the, 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 the efforts and guide the contributions from different team members. So that was the first step. So we realized it's not just about 
an environment in which you can draw something, like on a whiteboard, but also that we could help guide teams through this. But yeah, naturally, the other thing that came out uh, from these things, like uh, we don't have the luxury to be together in the same room all the time, right? In my case, we're a small firm, 160 people now, but there's we have people everywhere, right? So if we are going to be relying on working in this way only when we can afford to be together in person, so maybe we are just imagining or innovating only once per year. And that's not great because, of course, we need to act faster, but also because we, don't, we wouldn't get to practice as much. So early on in our path and early on in an observation where we're a startup in residence inside IDO, in a way, helped coin some of the fundamentals of design thinking, we realized that they didn't have the problem of not being co-located, but their customers did. Right? So huge corporations had teams and team members split between different locations. So we realized right away that enabling that type of work for a distributed group was our mission. And in order to do that, besides having the software in place to connect the teams, we need to work hard on bringing in the methodologies for them to become better are doing it because they were doing not only because we were doing more times but also because we could help facilitators and team members achieve better through the software that we were providing. And what are the key feature maybe for people who are less familiar with mural how would you introduce it? So I mean, what you what you tell your grandmother is it's like an online whiteboard, right? <laughs> but yep. The reality is that when people uh, get to know the software and board it, uh, they understand that uh, the value proposition is more around we help them think, we help them run through creative problem-solving meetings and workshops, we help them clarify their minds, we help them uh, deploy best practices across companies and across teams. Right? So at its core, it is what we call a visual thinking canvas, because we have components of a whiteboard, but also it's a little more powerful to allow you to diagram. It's a little more powerful to allow you to cluster elements, fil fil filter elements, prioritize. So play a little bit with those, that information using frameworks too. On top of that, it's an environment to help you run a workshop. So we have functionalities around voting or a timer or guides or progressive disclosure or the possibility to follow each other that are typical in the environment of where we used to be all together inside a room. But now we enable it to do it remotely and better, right? Because we have the software helping the facilitator run the meeting. And then, of course, there's a component around, given that we work with the biggest global enterprises around the world, there is functionality not only around enterprise readiness, right? Reliability, security, and so on but also around helping you, as I said before, coin best practices and then making them available for everyone in the company to use and reuse. So in that way, you build know-how across the world. And in today's environment where suddenly a large part of the population is a remote worker, there was probably a spike in interest into that, that type of uh, software. Uh, yes, uh, I mean it's a, we we've had like since uh, the 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 pandemic. Well, since it became a pandemic, not an epidemic. Uh, yeah, a demand on a per day basis. Like we have 10x to 12x people signing up per day, um, and and so and it's consistent. Like it, it wasn't a spike. We're not seeing that spike come down anytime soon either. It's it's staying up there. Uh, yeah, I mean 
Some people were caught by surprise, but some were preparing, not because of resilience, right? And, and now, of course, they, 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 they like the fact that they are they can keep on going with business as usual, right? But, but people, some early adopters uh, understood that uh, they were taking too much time doing it the old way, like flying people to a spot, spending two days, taking pictures of a whiteboard, having the poor intern transcribe all of that was slow, right? And of course, they were spending a lot of money, spending a lot of money in travel, in carbon footprint, and so on. But as I said before, most importantly, people were not practicing these methodologies as much. So people were observe already observing this before the pandemic, and we were Again, we had like many, many big customers already preparing for that, including company work for IBM was really early adopter. Five years ago, they understood that in order for, for the company to change the behavior at scale, they needed to enable everyone in the company to have the possibility to, to innovate, the possibility to practice this way of work. So, uh, of course, as with every uh, technology, there's an I mean, a, a adoption curve, right? And we were... Um, like slowly growing towards mass adoption and this critical event that we're seeing in the world right now, a forcing function for everybody to be in the situation. But we've been talking about this for, for a while, right? Right now we, we are in the extreme version of a flexibility or like, which is basically we're permanently working remotely. On the other spectrum, we are permanently working in an office, right? But the reality is that most of us uh, float in between, even in, in before the this pandemic and after the cure too. We sometimes we working from home, sometimes we work in the office, sometimes we will be working on the road, and all of those have their pros and cons, right? Of course, I love and people will love getting together again once there's a cure, right? Like we enjoy that as human beings, but I also enjoy the productivity of working from home and being close to my kids in some moments around the weeks. Or I also enjoy, you know what, waking up maybe very early or, or, or in the middle of the night because some, some good idea struck my head and I can bring it back to that workshop, right, that we just, just done. So that there's a lot of benefits of being flexible and fluid more than remote. Remote is just an extreme that is happening to us right now. And for organizations who embark on that journey of developing their imagination work through these online canvas, have you seen any best practices or do you have any recommendation for companies to embark on this journey productively? Because I'm sure there are a lot of wrong ways to do that. What would be a good way to do that? Good question, because it's it's hard, right? So visual work or imagination work is hard, right? You, you see, it, I mean, getting into workshop, be, being open and vulnerable and, and creative. I mean, we need to unlearn everything we learned at school and go back to the kindergarten and feel, feel creative again. So a lot of people struggle with that. And the same with remote work, right? I mean, it's really not natural to engage an audience through a screen, right? It's more natural to I mean, talk to people in person, right? So we're asking people to do two very difficult things now at the same time. Right? Before, I mean, people would first learn how to work in person in a workshop with these methodologies. For that, there are best practices around having a common visual language, training a lot of people on the same language so that they can go faster, probably getting a few people to be facilitators. So there's a lot of best practices around cultural change out there. I think that with this, 
enforcing function that we have right now, there will also be formaliz a formalization on how to teach people how to work remotely, right, or digitally. Because sometimes, like, you were assuming that, again, hey, here you go. Here's the tools. Go work remotely. And as I said before, it's really hard to address an audience remotely. It's really hard to keep the level of engagement on a remote meeting. And these are all things that are not taught in school. They're not taught as a, like a, a remote working one-on-one course, right? And, and some people were being thrown at the thing right away. So when we suggest how to you know, onboard people on when they're trying to do this again, strategy, design, uh, planning sessions remotely, which are super demanding and, and, and so it's like, as, I mean, first of all, like make sure that everybody knows the playbook, right? Like which are the, the methods that we're using and so on. Whenever we're getting into the digital environment, make sure that there is some practice time and some practice time that maybe you can do not in that meeting. Maybe you can make it happen before the meeting in a more casual environment or solo where we ask, you ask people in the particular case of Miro, like for example, how to add a picture, how to add a sticky note online, how to move around the space so that in a low pressure environment, they can feel comfortable playing around. So leveling up a little bit before you ask people to go uh, hardcore. And then embracing that people need practice hours, right? I mean, as, it, as with every new skill, you, need to, you get better at it. You get better, better, better. So, like, think of it as a as a as a curve in which there are achievements, and people can be in self reflecting on their mastery path and and celebrating those micro achievements, right? But um, so so recapping, like making sure that everybody understands the methodologies, putting together a sign as a time before to help people practice. When you are getting into the hard real work, don't forget about introducing a icebreaker and an energizer later in the meeting remember that it's really tiring to do workshops and sessions online so i wouldn't translate what worked in the real world to the digital world for example people ask me oh how do i do an eight hour workshop online and the question that i ask always is why do you need an eight hour yeah. workshop in the first place and you know what most of the times it's just because people are used to it that way because they need, need to maximize the fact that you flew people from all over the world and take advantage of the full day. But the reality is that we cannot, you cannot expect someone to be at their max capacity. And the beautiful thing about remote or digital in this case is that you can unbundle those eight, eight hours. So much so that we can learn from education and do the flipped classroom model where you ask people to do their homework, their individual work in advance, learn and watch videos and so on, and only use the together time to workshop, right? To, to go through exercises together and maximize that together time for the things that are, I mean, related to collaboration, not to just information. And I'm curious also if at some point when you start to introduce uh, the con both the concept and the technology to organization, have you met some cases where people pushed back on the idea itself, right? Because I can imagine some hardcore design thinking practitioners saying that, no, the experience of design thinking has to be face-to-face. -face. It's low-tech. We use paper and Sharpie and Post-it. Uh, so, so anyway, I, I can imagine people coming with this, uh, this objection. Is that something you've seen multiple times? As humans, we like status quo, right? Uh, we don't like change. 
change field is hard. And that's why like the adoption curve is something that I always have in, in my mind when I think not only as for new technologies, but also social technology, right? So new ways of working, I consider as like a quote-unquote social technology. So of course, you always have, uh, I mean, late adopters, let's call it. Right. So, uh, unfortunately, now they they have they have to accelerate their adoption path because the force yeah. function, as I said before. But yes, imagine someone that is an expert in person facilitator. Right. Well, be like you walk into a room and they wow you, they enlighten you, right? And they are great at that. Now, all of a sudden, I mean, they need to like unlearn all of that and relearn how to do it digitally in shorter periods of time not being able to do eye contact with everybody in a digital environment so they cannot walk around. It is weird. It, it's not it's not easy, right? So, so yeah, I mean, it, I mean, what we're seeing before this is that the, the folks that were more early adopters were the for, folks that tend to not work close to the innovation centers, let's call it, right? So people that work, were working remotely before this, they adapted first. But now uh, those folks are becoming the, the thought leaders and the people that are helping the rest uh, catch along. So that's another important thing. I think in, in large corporations, people need to also figure out how to score the tech savviness and the remote work savviness and even put together, a, I mean, in a way, some sort of, not career path, but scoring mechanism or mastery mechanism so that the people that are more advanced can turn around and help others through this. Yeah, and I think one of your message here, if I if I can summarize, is really to work on the change management aspect, right? To go step by step and try to embrace it by little chunks right? rather than, than imposing it as a new way to work. Although now with the current pandemics, it probably happened a bit faster than we thought, but beside the pandemic's context, really the secret is in the progressive and uh, gradual adoption through all your, your different, I guess, champions or stakeholders within the organization. Yes, exactly. I mean, that people are, are being forced doesn't mean that they're doing it great, right? So yes, everybody will have to figure it out. They'll have to adapt. It's amazing. So Long ago, I was in video games, right? I had a video games company. We produced video games for big brands, and then we published our own game. And way back when, I was telling people, you know how we go to the movies and enjoy talking about the movies? Well, 15 years from now, we're going to be talking about which game are you playing, right? And that happened. Wow. And, and and now, I mean, five years ago, it's like, okay, we're going to be showing off our, our digital workplace or our tool stack. And now I'm, I'm seeing my friends, I mean, late adopters of technology or my family, the, the older people, like discussing if they prefer, I don't know, Google Meet, Microsoft Teams, Zoom or whatever. Like it's part of their, their, their day-to-day conversation, right? Yeah. So it's it's very interesting that yeah everybody will now be doing this but similar to games not everybody is a great gamer right like you need to practice yeah. I need to be motivated and it's like leveling up one at a time the only difference is that games you, you can opt out you can say okay I'm not going to be playing games that's okay for if you are knowledge worker imagination worker as we as we call the subset it's going to be impossible for you not to uh, combine your digital collaboration savviness because what I said before even when we go back to whatever the normal is we're going to be already used to the benefits of this and the benefits of this uh, are not going to be useful for us every single time we will be needing to get together and so on but when we get together for example in the future probably like there are going to be no more post-it notes why 
because even before the pandemic, there were big touchscreens coming to the market, right? So why go, I mean, yes, in person, but why through other mechanisms? If you already have practice how to add content digitally and the hardware is there and the software is there, right? So if methods, technology are there, I'm pretty sure that people are not going to go back to regular whiteboards, for example. And that's true. And I can attest as somebody who practice design thinking with my colleagues and clients, there is always this extra burden of, like you mentioned, transcribing everything. Even though it's a very modern approach, sometimes the the logistics of all that feels a bit dated. And sometimes I feel for, especially for younger employees that start in the workplace and you told them that they have to transcribe this content, it's, it's not going to make sense for a longer time. Plus, we can't get always everyone in the same location. And sometimes it's not that everyone is remote. You might have some people in the room, some people in a third room, and then a few others that are in a remote location. And having a one place to bring everyone together, I mean, I, I, I see the, the huge payoff of being able to capture everything once. Now, I'm also curious to have your perspective on synchronous and asynchronous communication or coordination, because the, the the default expectation is that we would do this work in a live, real-time settings. Have you seen people or company experimenting with Mural as a platform for non-synchronous work, where people basically chime in or join at their own rhythm? So similarly to how I said before that man, working remotely or in person are a tool or like a, a way that has benefits and, and pros and cons, right? So, I mean, you need to fly, you need to like all things for being yeah. person if you're a remote team, a distributed team. Uh, similar for synchronical and asynchronical, right? So, there are certain things that I said before around how to unbundle the workshop, right? So, there is no need for all of us to be watching a video together. I mean, right? Like that could happen in any moment, wherever. I mean, as long as we all watch the video before the meeting, we're okay. Uh, but there are certain methodologies, certain things that as humans, we, we, we enjoy building on top of each other's ideas, right? Uh, we, we like uh, that, that debate through, through a good orchestrated discussion, interesting things bubble up, right? Uh, but even within the live collaboration, people appreciate when there's time for individual posting up, right? So let's do three minutes, each of you put together ideas, and then there's a moment of sharing and building and, and so on. And then you vote and select the best ones. So even within a workshop, there's also, call it synchronous and asynchronous collaboration, right? So that's that's. Uh, I would say like all of them are, are, are possible, right? And then, of course, the workshop is not the only moment in which work happens, right? There might be a decision made in a workshop, then two or three people start iterating on, say, a storyboard or something like that, and then they, you can reconvene and, and do it all together, design critique, for example, or... Uh, you can put that in front of customers and then record the reactions and then each of the people can watch that separately and then they then they can get together to do uh, a sharing around the user feedback that they observed and someone that didn't see something in one way can see it in another way because someone tells him about that and then they can connect two ideas together. So yes, it's 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 about fluid work more than 
asynchronous or synchronous. It's uh, having all those possibilities. Yeah, it's being able to switch from one to another when needed. That's great, uh, great idea. My my last question for you, Mariano. You started to talk a little bit about the the future. You mentioned, for example, having more touchscreen. Or how else do you see this type of technology evolving? Whether it's your own or the, the market in general, how do you think the imagination workers of the future? or at least once we get into some kind of new normal, will be interfacing and working. The three trends that we were seeing and in a way we were surfing on were, one is the ubiquity of either, call it methodology, and visual methodologies for workshops, right? So design thinking in principle, design sprints as a structured process, and many others out there that are being taught both in principle and as a as a as a process, right? As a guided process, both by schools and consultants and so on, right? So the business model canvas, customer journey mapping, personas, all these frameworks are becoming standard. Then the other one was around. Yeah, the digital workplace, right? The, the the tooling and the best practices being deployed, right? So technology, video conferencing technologies is working really well. And I mean, task managers and document managers and chat and file sharing, all that was great. We tried to complement that with the visual space where you can collaborate, right? And I believe that there's the core is there now. I mean, there's going to be specialization of, of technologies for different use cases, but the core is already there. And the last one, as I said, is, yeah, touchscreens coming down in price and getting bigger in size that, uh, in a way, can combine the benefits of in-person, standing up, sketching, and so on with the power of digital, right? And and customers, I don't know, there's like, you know, I mean, consultants out there uh, that we support that have innovation centers in which they don't have any whiteboards and sticky notes. It's all digital, right? So that was already happening before and it's, it's going to be accelerated now. So more people trained on methodologies, more people trained on remote work and the physical space supporting digital first. Uh, I mean, I think that, that that's happening soon, not not future future. If AR, VR coming to the workplace, maybe, but uh, it's it's still five years away from here because of all the hardware complications. Yeah, no, that, that makes sense because we could imagine this being the next generation, but the technology will need to mature a little bit before we uh, we get there. I agree. And I always make the analogy that in order for me to scuba dive, I need to gear up. But again, the experience of scuba diving is out of this planet, right? You can feel like you're flying and so forth. But uh, in order for me to gear up with VR and all that headset, super heavy and so on, uh, it has to be an experience of another planet, right? And, and I think that, again, workshops, even though I enjoy collaborating and so forth, they can be done without all of that gear. And we can, with the current technology, current methodologies, through video, through things like mural, can achieve the same outcome 
uh, without the need to gear up as much. So that's that's in particular to VR and AR for now. Yeah. Well, Mary, you know, it has been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for sharing your story, your insights, recommendations, as well as your vision of the future. Where can we learn more about uh, Mural and uh, the work that you do? Yes, we have a um, uh, website, mural.co. Um, you can start a trial and, and check out all of the content that we produce to explain how to better run meetings. We even have a section which is like we record workshops, right? So like a Twitch for meetings in a way. But also the other way that you can learn about Mural is through our network of partners, right? There's a lot of people out there that are using Mural and teaching others on how to on how to do uh, this type of work. And the reality, like for example, IBM is, is our largest customer and there's many, many consultants out there that use Mural with their own customers. And the beauty about that is that generally these, these consultants are really savvy on the methodologies and have transformed their way of working before all of this. So we are relying a lot on, on, on people like that to help spread the word. Because as you can imagine right now, we are operating on very high demand. And uh, again, relying on a, a network of, of partners is super important for us. So that's also something that you can explore in the website. And uh, yeah, you can follow me at, at batmelon and hope to see you online. <laughs> Fantastic. Well, thank you so much. We really appreciate our time with you today. All right. Have a great day. Au revoir. Au revoir. This was Abrupt Future. I hope you learned something valuable. If you enjoyed it, please subscribe and any feedback or rating is greatly appreciated. On LinkedIn and in real life, my name is Benoit Hardy Valley and I thank you for your time.